Sometimes you're flush and sometimes you're bust. And when you're up, it's never as good as it seems. And when you're down, you never think you're going to be up again. But life goes on. Remember that. Money isn't real, George. It doesn't matter. It only seems like it does. Our pleasure, man. This is awesome. I, I was just complimenting Ray on his backdrop back there, man. All that sports, man. We need we need to yeah. put something in yeah. our studio, man. It's yeah. all naked right here, dude. Yeah, yeah maybe put different. Yeah, you could. That's a good idea. Yeah, we were gonna put the show on or do something, yeah. man. It's a really good idea. It's a really good idea. What's Actually, up, to, be, to be honest with you, I was gonna get some big fat heads and put them yeah. behind us. I, I don't like to Wait, hear my own fatter voice. than these two heads. <laughs> I just wanted, I, you know, I, I'm really humble. And so it's good for me to, oh, you know, geez. stretch my, stretch my legs a little bit sometimes. And, yes. you know, to be able to come in and hear my own voice and, and see a, a little bit bigger picture of me. I think that'd yep. just be inspiring for many. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Stingray can appreciate that. Yeah. So Stephen Ray, a.k.a. the Stingray, the, the maroon and white big fan down there, right? Uh, well, we've actually, I've actually quit, be, I quit being a Mississippi State fan in 2017. Whoa! Really? Those that didn't yeah. know, now knowing is half the battle. Yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, it got pretty nasty uh, on the part of Mississippi State. And uh, if you'd like, I can go into that. Yeah. Well, Absolutely. Well, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's, let's start from the beginning, man. Okay. Uh, you, you've always been a, a big uh, football fan? Yes. Uh, always been a huge college football fan. I, I'm not really big on the NFL uh, but I, I just like college football, and uh, I like col all college sports, pretty much. And then, Stephen, tell us what would – I know you, you had some derogatory comments towards kickers. What were you <laughs> saying that the value of college kickers were? Uh, well, I don't really know, uh, you know, but, man, they've, they've got to be able to make a kick when, when they're needed, you know. Right, Ray? Right, Ray? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, no. Yeah, they're there for a job. They're they, you know, you get a yes. stock, gotta They're assassins, Ray. That's Ray, this is what you're supposed to answer. Let me answer for you. You go, Eric, I really appreciate you downplaying the, the role of a kicker, but we're instrumental. <laughs> I was more of a one. We are literally the assassins of the team. We are literally the best number one sniper you're ever gonna see in your entire life. Basically, the team revolves around us. They just don't know it. When you are down by, when you're down by two, only the kicker is going to save you. You've got 38 like seconds. You got 38 seconds to save your life. Who do you call in? That's right. You call the kicker. But check this out, though. Field position is big, so if you have a good punter, they can alter the game, right? Absolutely. I was just about to say that, man. I was just about to say, hey, Ray, you kicked a 75-yarder up at BYU. Thank you, Sting, Ray. Yeah, thanks. And I think field position is everything in the game. You know, you get it inside the 10, inside the 5, kickoffs are good. You, and then that right there alters the whole game. That's why when I went to junior college, that was a big thing. Is like we worked on field position, and that, that's how we won a lot of our games. 
So, so Stephen, you you've was, always been a big college football fan. You were a Mississippi State diehard fan. Yeah. You had the cowbell going on. I got to admit, you had a wait. How many cowbells do you own? Uh, let's see, probably twelve or thirteen. Oh yeah, you you have some pretty sick cowbells going on there, and 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 some of the old videos, man, they were a lot of fun to watch. So you were a big Mississippi state fan. You were going yep. to all the games. You were talking the trash. You were doing it all, man. I was. And, uh, that actually got started in 2014, uh, just because I've always been, a, or had always been a Mississippi state fan. And, uh, you know, Paul Feinbaum signed on the sec network and he said, you know, we would like to have a participant, uh, from each university uh, in the SEC. And I thought, well, since I have a sports broadcasting degree and I like Mississippi State, why not let me be the voice of Mississippi State on the Feinbaum show? And so I sent in my first rant uh, back in 2014, uh, the week before Mississippi State went down to LSU and shocked the world. And uh, Paul didn't show it. I sent one in the next week for Texas A&M. He showed it, and the Stingray was pretty much born. Nice, nice. So did you go to Mississippi State, or where did you go to school? Uh, University of Alabama. Uh, but uh, see, here's the deal. Uh, I've always had a knack and an interest in uh, the weather, and uh, I wanted to be a meteorologist. And so uh, all throughout middle school and high school, uh, you know, I, I really wanted to be a meteorologist. And so uh, went over to Mississippi State, toured the campus, fell in love with everything about the campus. And 80% of the broadcast meteorologists that you see on TV graduated from Mississippi State. So they're the number one Mississippi uh, weather program in the country. Uh, so I went over there and toured it and actually got accepted to Mississippi State. And then at the last minute, I decided that college uh, sports and football uh, would be a better avenue for me. So I got my degree in sports broadcasting from the University of Alabama. Nice, but you're not an Alabama fan. Uh, not really, because uh, I'll just go ahead and say it. Those fans are quite, quite nasty and arrogant. <laughs> and uh, it's very, very, very obnoxious, arrogant. Wow. Hey, Stingray, you do know that there's fans everywhere, too. They're like a, it's like a, you know, it's kind of like a pandemic, really. They go everywhere. They like Alabama first, second, third, fourth, fifth. Yeah. And then maybe another SEC school is sixth. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, it's it's kind of over the top annoying. Uh, now, I'm really happy that I did, you know, get a degree from the University of Alabama. And, of course, I do like some Alabama uh, sports, but but not football, because those fans are just uh, outrageously obnoxious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we just picked up the Raiders. So there's a lot of people scared about some fans showing up at our games because the right. Raiders definitely have a reputation of some. Uh, yep some hardcore tough fans. Yes. So something I wanted to ask you, Stingray, to, to maybe help us out, you know, down South and in Texas and all those places, football is life. Even high school football is life. And it's everything down there. Out West, here it's, we like our football, but it's not as big. 
It's not as big as it is in the South. Uh, Ray, man, you, you can chime in and see if, yeah. if when you were playing at UNLV and you would do a home game, but then say you would go somewhere else, maybe in the South somewhere and do an away game. What was the difference in the, in the fans and in the stadium? Well, it's, it's like you guys were saying, it's completely different. I know it's Stingray. We talked about that on your show a little bit, mm-hmm. but like out, out West, there's so much going on. You have the, you know, California, the beach, you have the nice weather and, you know, every, out, out where we're from in Iowa, I was Stingray's out from Alabama. There's really not much going on. That's like, that's all like everyone's there's, that's what people look forward to every Saturday and the tailgating's big. And, you know, it's a whole, it's a whole day. Um, but yeah, I mean, when John Robinson came, he did change the culture. We had, uh, you know, some bigger crowds there when he was there and then going down the South and, you know, beat Arkansas. Up. Yep. Arkansas. Yeah. It's a different feel. It totally is a different feel. And see, you know, down South, we really don't have any dominant uh, pro teams. So, you know, the, the, um, the Hawks are bad. Um, you know, the uh, Pelicans are bad. Uh, you know, the Titans are not that good. The Falcons are not that good. So, I mean, it's all about college football, and that's pretty much it. The yeah. fish aren't very good. The, no. the Jaguars aren't very good. No. Right. You can just keep rattling them off. The I Bucks, mean, uh, even, even the Bucks Tampa got State lit up last night. Right. Yeah. So, so I mean, it's all college football or nothing. Yeah. So, so Stingray, you're not a fan anymore. Oh, go ahead, Ray. Sorry about that. Oh, sorry. No problem. Um, no, I agree with Stingray, too, about college versus pro. I, I can't really watch NFL games. I mean, I just it's hard for me to sit down and watch an NFL game because it's all about the money. And, yeah, and here's true. another thing, too. You guys were asking about how to, uh, you know, bring, uh, you know, change the culture out there. I'm yeah. just going to go ahead and say, because Ray and I were talking about this, uh, you guys have actually got to, you know, do like Tom Allen has done up at Indiana. Yes, he's playing up in the Big Ten way up north. Uh, but, you know, he pretty much has ties to the south. And, um, you know, he's brought in some southern players. And, and you've got to be able to come down here and recruit in order to get the best players, I do believe. Now, I really feel like that if UNLV was just a little bit more competitive, that that system and everything would take off. Uh, but you've got to start with the big-time players. If you can find a little niche to come get the players and say, hey, come play for us in Vegas, then I think you guys can, can definitely change the culture uh, because, you know, UNLV, who does not want to go to Vegas um, you know, that would be an amazing thing to uh, to play in, in Vegas for four years. Uh, but, man, you've just got to find a way to get Southern athletes to come out West, and then you would have it made. No, I completely agree. The other problem I feel like we have is we even have some very good athletes here on a high school level. Right. Um, Bishop Gorman is one of the, like, the top-rated high schools to come play football. There's kids from California and all over the place that are playing there. The problem is they never stay here. They all right. want to go to UCLA. They want to go to USC. They want to go to some of these bigger colleges to get, right. to get seen and they don't want to stay here locally. And, and, and I think that's a, another big problem. I grew up here in Las Vegas, born and raised. And when I was a kid, 
the hardest ticket to get was rebel basketball, the mm -hmm. hardest ticket. And that was during the highlight. That was when they had the players and every seat was sold out. They were high dollar seats at the Thomas and Mac, and it was the place to be, but it was because they were dominating. They were on the news. They were out there. Uh, yeah. Tarkanian was just running the show and it, it was just fantastic. But then when they don't win, Vegas loves winners. And yes, I, I think that was their, the golden Knights way of getting in is because they had that magical first year went all the way to the Stanley cup and they sunk their claws into this Valley and people became super fans. And I just would love to see that happen with the Raiders, with rebel football, with the local team and have that local thing grow, you know? Uh, I really feel like that if the Raider, I, I'm sorry, if uh, the uh, NFL team out there, I really feel like that if they can take off and then UNLV gets a little bit more competitive, I think that can get the ball rolling to help you guys out. Uh, but, you know, it's all got to start with UNL, UNLV being a little bit more competitive because, yeah, you've got the NFL team there. But if you guys are still, you know, only winning one or two games a year, which sucks, oh, um, that's not going to be really, you know, uh, attention grabbing. I mean, you got to become a little bit more competitive. Oh, 100%. I totally agree. So Stingray, you're you're talking to Ray when you say that cuz he is the he is the tip of the spear when it comes to recruiting in the south, recruiting in the back, in the you know in the big east is Ray Ray is our front man for that. I don't right. know if he told you that. And so but you know going back to that experience, you know you said you're not a Crimson Tide fan. I, one of my friends uh is a Crimson Tide fan because he lived in Alabama. Right. And, and he, I'm like, so what's it like? And he's like, Eric, it is just as big and just as phenomenal experience. Like if you get upper road tickets to a, a Crimson Tide game, you're happy. You're, you're, you're more than pleased with the experience. And, um, and so part of that is because yeah, Adam, you're talking about those few people, but what it takes to win games, Ray, you're supposed to chime in and go, Hey, Stingray. Two years ago, we went six and six, brother. You know, <laughs> you know what, though? I was going to say something, though. And, and Stingray, we talked about this on your show. The, the, the difference now is that UNLV is in a different category now. We have a new $2 billion stadium, right. new $42 million training center. So when, a, when an athlete comes in, they get off the plane, they see the strip, and then they go right to the Fertitta Football Center. And they're like, oh, wow, this is where I get to train. You know, I, I got to get my hair cut mm -hmm. here video games, I got a training table, I got the beautiful strip right here, and then they go see the stadium. That's a whole other ball oh, yeah. game compared to what we had, you know, because be yeah. back in the day when we had Sam Boyd Stadium <clears throat> or like a division one double A stadium. And then we have the training the, the facilities just weren't up right apart. now I think you're gonna get to see the better athletes come. It's yes. gonna take Two or three years, but yeah. When, when Sting, when when Ray was in school, because I was there at the same time, and uh, saw saw Ray dominate Arkansas, and uh, didn't get thrown out when Arkansas tried to assault me, the linebacker. I tell that story a lot. Is uh, uh, the facilities even compared Stingray to understand where we started from? Like when Ray was in school, our the gym back then was was 
not even like a, a professional gym. It was a bunch of weights. And I mean, it, it wasn't that big. Ray, what did you say about 1200 square feet? Well, the one you're thinking about, they had the, uh, the lead complex. I don't know if you ever saw that. So when John Robinson came, that was like kind of up to date at the time. It was called the lead complex. No, I'm talking, thinking, the, I'm talking about the one before that. Oh yeah. 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 That was, that was yeah. like, a, yeah, that was not good, but yeah. yeah, yeah, that was not good. And then, yeah. So for, for UNLV to make these big strides, I think it's very exciting. And then, the, you know, talking about basketball real quick, I think we have some of the best basketball facilities too. Compared to, you know, we, we, we do. Uh, we have some, uh, actually, Stingray, just, you know, uh, just to give everyone some hope, uh, the recruiting class for next year, UNLV has the 14th, what's so far ranked, the 14th best recruiting class for next year. And I think, and, and going back to like John Robinson and how he made a difference, and uh, our current coach is, you know, we're picking up, a, you know, the former offensive coordinator at Oregon. So in the future, hopefully UNLV not only is able to win, but win with a lot of flair because, you know, Adam mm-hmm. talked about, hey, we need to see winners. You know, UNLV was, has won games in the past, but maybe it was against Dixie State or maybe it was against, you know, some lower tier schools. So it's not always the number of wins, but it's also who you, who you, who you run with. And so same thing with basketball. For a long time there, when Long Kruger was here, he would win games and kind of get us by, and it was it was fun. And it, but man, we couldn't we couldn't buy a dunk. Our our center, dude, we had some great kids on the team, but we could not buy a dunk to save our life. It, it, like the product wasn't there of, of like running rebels of you know big dash. And now you know with Tyler there, uh, Tyler O there for basketball, man, we've got an offensive and both for football and basketball are going to be in theory, when we get football up and running, you know, raise, raise working with the team is it's going to be a team of, of high scoring, high movement, same basketball and football. And I do agree. I think with college sports, the great allure to college sports is that literally anyone you talked a little bit about stingray when Mississippi stung LSU, UNLV, I got on the radio the day, uh, Ray, do you remember when a little school called UNLV beat number one, North Carolina at the early, I'm not going to toot my horn, but Stingray, I know what it feels like when you talk a lot of trash on the radio and guess what? Then your team backs you up. Yeah. I know what that's about, Stingray. I've been there. Yeah. So I literally got on the local sports radio and I told him, I said, this is like the five reasons UNLV is going to come in and stun number one, North Carolina. And I was sitting behind the left, uh, uh, the left side of the basket. And I, I remember that game was like yesterday. And and talking about memories, college college football memories yeah. are are last a lifetime, you know. Yeah. And man, it, put a cowbell in this guy's hands, man. Right? Yep, that's right. I need to buy one. Right? I need to go buy one. Yeah, we Ray, we need some cowbell around here, right? So, Stingray, give us some. Give us the sad news. How did Mississippi State break your heart? Well, they didn't. Well, here's the deal. Uh, you know, I started doing the rants and I had one back in 2015 that got 330,000 views in a week. 
Uh, I really went off on LSU again, and I called uh, Mississippi State, Davis Wade Stadium, uh, the new Death Valley uh, because of the cowbells. And at the end of the video, uh, you can go back and watch on my YouTube channel. I said, uh, I, I screamed as loud as I could. I said, we are Mississippi State. Fear the bells. And it got 330,000 views. And that was really when uh, I took off. Okay. So in 2017, uh, not bragging here, but this I'm just going to tell you like it is. Um, I got a message on YouTube uh, that said, hey, Stingray, I am the producer uh, for Tosh.0, and we would love to have you on the show. Uh, we would like to, you know, for you to come out here to L.A. and to uh, record a celebrity profile uh, segment with us about your fandom of Mississippi State. Uh, so in September of 2017, I came to the West Coast and did a, a quick segment uh, with Daniel Tosh, and it actually aired that November. And for whatever reason, the Mississippi State fans did not like uh, the rhetoric that Daniel Tosh put towards the SEC, the South, and uh, Mississippi State. And so, and I, I personally feel like that it was jealousy on their part that I actually got to go on Tosh. Uh, but at that time, I was overweight, you know, and they really hit me hard with bullying me and fat shaming me on social media and saying that I was using Mississippi State to advance my own brand. Uh, without the uh, or without thinking about how negatively it's going to hurt Mississippi State, and so they started doing that to me, and so I was just like, you know what? If you're, I, I've gotten you all this publicity, and if you guys are going to treat me like that, then I'm just going to be the bigger person, and I'm going to leave and distance myself from you guys. Wow! And you didn't just become the bigger person; you became a less person. How much weight have you lost? Uh, currently I've lost 122 pounds. Great awesome, job. Man. Great job. Thank you. Dude, I love the, I love the before and after pictures, man. I think that's inspiring. Thank you. And, uh, I did it all, you know, with uh, diet and exercise, no weight loss surgery, no diet pills, just, nice. you know, it was just like, you know, I've got to get my uh, weight under control. I'm over 30 now and I had to really get on top of it. Awesome. Is, is there any kind of particular diet you followed or you just kind of just watch what you ate? Yeah, I, I was diagnosed with gout in 2019 and uh, it was it was pretty bad. And um, that was the first time I'd ever had anything about heard anything about gout and didn't knew nothing about it. And uh, I went online, which you're not supposed to do, uh, but I think it saved my life. Uh, I read the complications of gout and uh, the complications were with gout were heart disease, kidney disease, uh, diabetes and kidney stones. And I was over 30. I was healthy other than having gout. Uh, but my body was in that process of, OK, if you don't do something right now, this is your last warning to get, you know, to do something about it. Uh, so I went to uh, my doctor. He put me on the low purine diet. 
okay. which means no beef, no pork, and no shellfish. Uh, so I have not had a piece of steak or any pork uh, since January of 2019. Oh, wow. Wow. That and, sounds tough. And, <laughs> and, uh, and no, no sodas either. And it took me about, I don't know, probably about a month uh, to get used to the diet. Uh, but now that I'm, I've been on the diet for so long, I don't want any of that other food that I used to eat uh, ever again. I don't want to touch it ever again uh, because I look at it as poison uh, because, it, you know, all it did was make me overweight, uh, make me obese and give me gout. And so I, I look at that as uh, poison and I never want to have it in my mouth again. OK, so how do we convince you to be a rebel fan? Well, he um, Ray's already got me some gear coming, so I guess you can already call me a Rebel fan. Nice, uh, man. Right. man. Man, we will take you in a heartbeat. In oh, a heartbeat. Ray, we need you. We need you, Stingray. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so Stingray, you know, one of the things that we're going to need you for is, is the hardest part with tailgating here, you know, Ray talked about uh, how bad it was at Sam Boyd. It never had that that culture. And like Adam and I grew up here, so we didn't grow up with the, the that culture. And and, you know, so those traditions about tailgating. So uh, there's a really big school here besides Bishop Gorman. The other power, one of the other powerhouses is Liberty High School, which has a strong Polynesian background and some of the like greatest tailgates um, that, you know, I've been here in the Valley is one time. So I helped organize uh, the uh, one of the coaches from Liberty used to have a trailer here in town and it would have, uh, I have some videos of it. We roasted a pig. We had chicken just grilling and roasting on this big trailer. Just imagine a big 16 by seven trailer, just full of barbecue chicken and, and, and unfortunately, Stingray a nice pig, but um, that was a great experience. And, and that, that experience is very few and far between. When I say that Ray is like the spearhead for UNLV sports a lot of times, it's like for the Alumni Association, he tries to get people out and, you know, try to get people back to, you know, uh, on one of previous episodes, we talked about pizza and how pizza reminds people of an experience. And, and that's what tailgating and bringing the community back to the stadium is, is, hey, relive a little bit of that, that college fun right. by, by tailgating. And, and, and the other hard part here is, is Vegas is a service industry, uh, you know, service industry state, meaning, you know, UNLV still has, right, I don't know the exact number. When him and I were going to school, it was in the 90 percentile, the number of students that held either a part-time or full-time job. Mm -hmm. and, and that's and that's probably going to be a, a hard problem for UNLV for, for many decades in the fact that you can go to school, you can work, and that's what makes it a, such a community school, whereas... Right you know, such a small student population, it's just a hundred percent here on campus here, at, here, at, you know, at, uh, you know, at the death state, you know, the, the, the death star. star. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so I think 
you know, we need to find ways, especially your, your background, uh, Stingray, as a, as a broadcaster. And, right. and we talk about the influences of media. We forget, like, when you have, like, a steer, a spear tip, like Ray, who's totally involved in the community and totally involved with fans over many generations, it is we kind of need someone to, to boost the platform, to, like, give us all a reason to come back and give us a reason to tailgate because otherwise people, people here, especially in Vegas, get bored. And guess what? You get bored. Guess what? Like Adam said, there's a thousand other things going on. Oh, you know what? Yeah. There's, you know, every weekend there's a show every weekend. There's a concert. There's so many things that are pulling from everyone else's attention. Yeah. Or they're working those events too. Yeah. And so we get, we got to find a way to build a culture that kind of brings all that. And I think Adam alluded to that. The Golden Knights experience. They did that. Yeah, it's they a game that. within yeah. a game. Like it's a it's a show within the show. Like you have an NHL uh, game and then you have like the show within the show. Like it's just an experience. Yeah. And that's part of what we need to bring back. Do you guys think if uh, the Golden Knights start losing, do you think it'll still be packed? No. Yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. Absolutely. No. You just said it. It's a show. It's an experience. Win or lose, I honestly think that uh, a good. I wouldn't say packed here. though. Like right now, they're they're averaging over eighteen thousand. Well, before the pandemic, they averaged over eighteen thousand seats. It was almost sold out most nights. The 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 great thing the the thing that the Golden Knights benefit from a they play more games than college sports. B. Um, you get at least 25% rate, like we're a destination city. And, and he said this, the owner of the night said this, he's like, no, it's going to work out because we're a destination city and we're going to get fans coming from other cities to, to come in and be, and be fans in the, in, and fill the seats. And it's, and it's come true. Like we'll go to a game and you'll see, uh, you know, Toronto blue Jays, you'll see not blue Jays, but, um, um, Maple Leafs. Yeah, Maple Leafs. Yeah, you'll yeah, get the yeah, Maple yeah. Leafs. You'll get the Islanders. You'll get, you know, you'll see a good amount of fans and they'll mm-hmm. show up with their sweaters from their hometown. They're like, dude, especially every every fan that is a fan of a, a Canadian team, they love coming to Vegas. They're like, well, any reason to get out of Canada. Yeah, they're like, like get us get out, out of Canada. <laughs> Let's get out of here. Come to a great Let's town. Jump the border. And so that's um, why we're not building a wall up on Canada. We're only building it down south. Yeah. And so, Stingray, you know, I think, honestly, like, you and Ray teaming up could be really phenomenal for UNLV. Like, it's not tongue-in-cheek. Like, Ray has been pulling this cart for a long time and not with a whole lot of help. But. Well, you have Flavor Flav helping you, right? Flavor comes, yeah, when I, when he comes to games, it's it's on, especially the basketball games. when. Oh. When Remember, I think you guys saw him there in the drum oh, he, yeah. he loves supporting local sports. Right. Yeah. Right. Don't bring up the Jumbotron around Adam. Oh, he gets all Fair upset. Enough. He gets all upset because, hey, Stingray, if you're looking for someone to be on a Jumbotron, right here, right here, where is that, Stingray? I'm, Ray, will you tell Stingray how often I'm on the Jumbotron? He's on there once. Once? <laughs> no. That Jumbotron loves me, Stingray. <laughs> And I love it. Well, I've I've been to I can't tell you how many games, and I've never actually been on the jumbotron. So you've got you're better than me. 
<laughs> he was even on Tosh.0. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think another problem that Vegas sometimes gets, well, it's a transient city. And very few people like Eric and I, we can say that we're from here, but that's, Stephen, that's rare out here. There's not a lot of people that are actually from here. So they're bringing in their, their fan base from wherever they're from. You know what yeah. I mean? You know, they're, they're Seahawks fans or they're, whoa, whoa, whoa. or they're Bear fan, or they, they bring it in. But the Golden Knights were created here. So that brought a different culture around it because they were they were born here. The, the second home game, I was able to go to a Golden Knights game. It was their second home game. And I was sitting next to a guy. He had a Detroit. They were playing the Red Wings. He had a Detroit Red Wings jersey on, but then he had a Golden Knights hat on. And I got to talking with him because I talk and I'm friendly. And he was saying that he grew up in Detroit. He loved, and that's where he fell in love with hockey, was playing peewee hockey in Detroit, dreaming about playing with the Red Wings. But now he lives here in Vegas. He goes, I'm always a Red Wings fan, but now I'm a Golden Knights fan. And he right. brought that love with him when, whenever he moved from Detroit to Las Vegas. And I think a lot of people are like that. They're still bringing their home love from wherever they came from. As more people come from Las Vegas, I hope that we can build more of a, that community here. I, I, I'm sure down in Mississippi, I mean, people love Mississippi State when you were a fan for them because they went to school there or they were from Mississippi. Yes, and you don't get any of that other stuff down here. And it's frowned upon if you're from Mississippi and are a fan of somebody else. Like I was a graduate of the University of Alabama, but I like Mississippi State. So I call a lot of flack about that. Because oh, in the South, you just can't do that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, man, I'm telling you what, there is absolutely nothing like a uh, Southern football event. I mean, these people take it like life or death. I'm serious. But it's kind of fun. I yeah. want to go. I want to go down there and, and, and experience this big time. I may not be a fan of any of the schools. I just want to go. Yeah. I love a good sporting event, and that sounds like a good one. But sometimes people can take it over the top, but, you know. Well, and shaming you on social media and stuff, I think it was pushing it. You know, it's like, I mean, e even if you say you were pushing your own agenda or your own name out there, what was the big deal about that? You're yeah. also you're also supporting Mississippi State. What's the big deal of helping you out too? You know, you got yeah. all those views. I'll be honest with you. I wish this show had that kind of views on it. Like I was telling, like, here, share us on your social media, please. You know? Yeah. I want to blow this show up, you know. Right. We got uh, Stingray you know, back. Get, go ahead, Ray. Go ahead. We got we got your back, Stingray. Thank you, man. Uh, and see, just to kind of, just to kind of, I don't know if you guys followed this or not, uh, but just to kind of tell you uh, a quick little story about how the South is. Uh, back in 2010, uh, Auburn with Cam Newton. Uh, they came into Tuscaloosa. They were highly ranked. Alabama had lost three ga or two games coming into that game. Uh, Alabama had the lead on Cam Newton and uh, Auburn at the half. Auburn then, of course, went to the air, and the arm of Cam Newton uh, brought Auburn back. They knocked off Alabama and went on to win the national championship. Well, after the Alabama-Auburn game, there was a famous Alabama fan 
who was so pissed off that Auburn won that game. There, there's always been a tradition of rolling the trees down at uh, Tum Tumor's Corner down at Auburn. And the Auburn fans, after a win, whether it was home or away, would always toilet paper those trees on the square in downtown Auburn. That Alabama fan, by a guy by the name of Harvey Updike, went down to Auburn the next day and poisoned those trees to kill that tradition because wow. his team got beat by Auburn. I'm, I'm not kidding. That is a true story. And then the idiot called into the Feinbaum show and bragged about it on Monday. Wow. That's not good. Yeah, wow. So there are, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's fun. But then there are those lunatics who go way overboard. And it's just like, really, dude, really, it's a game. Yes, it's fun. Yes, it's great. But it's not like life or death. Come on. Yeah, wow. Dude, that's great. I, I never knew that story. That's no. a good one. And it made national headlines. And that guy actually went to jail for like five years because of that. He went to prison for five years because of that. Wow. That's sad. So Stingray, tell us about your show, the Stingray show. What's that uh, about? Well, we're, we're actually, it's kind of a work in progress right now. Uh, is that a it, podcast? Uh, no, it is a video cast like this. Uh, okay. But we actually... Uh, run highlights out of it and it we do it via restream uh, and so we do it on Tuesdays and Fridays uh, of every week but this week because of Thanksgiving we had a show today and we're having a show tomorrow and we have big guests on we've had Ray on before and we just kind of sit there and you know talk about the current news and then uh, my co-host and I pick games and that kind of stuff and uh, so far, we've been really lucky on who the guest we've gotten. And uh, if you want to tune in tomorrow, uh, we're going to be live at uh, that, let's see, 11 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, we're going to have uh, Tony Barnhart on and then Cole Kublik. Oh, wonderful. And then, hey, Stingray, so I know you just switched the format. I was listening to that, that you switched to a, a, a viewership engagement show. Yes. How do you have a separate producer that's helping you with that? How's that working out? Uh, well, they can actually, uh, the viewers can actually uh, send me the questions. Uh, then I can, you know, like the, a lot of people will ask, like, what coach is on the hot seat this year? And then I will send them the link and then they will come on the show and ask us. Okay. So that's I'm pretty much, I'm doing all the production stuff too. I'm doing all the highlights and running all that off my computer and then that kind of stuff. And then do you, do you have a, do you have a, uh, what we call a regular job? Uh, yes, I actually, uh, have uh, real estate here in Tuscaloosa. I uh, own and manage, uh, rental, rental properties here, but I absolutely despise it, uh, because you know, if you're selling real estate, uh, it's fine. Uh, but rentals, you know, you're on call all the time and it's just a complete pain in the rear end. So I'm really trying to get my broadcasting career off the ground. Nice. So nice. Stingray, if you want to guess what I do for a living, uh, I own a little real estate company here in Henderson. So uh, 
I, I'm just trying to look good on the camera. That's Ray, what I'm trying to do. Steven, when you're ready to move out here and bring the show out here, he'll sell you a home. He'll well, sell you a real nice and, home. Hey, and we're always <laughs> looking for new property managers. So that's a that's a double that's uh, a double win win. Right. And real quick, I do have a question for you. Uh, did, did either one of you guys play football? High school. High school. I got you. I have a uh, so in high school, I actually had. Uh, I have an injury right here where I separated my shoulder and still to this day, uh, stop. Uh, yeah. So there's nothing else I could do. My older brother, my, my older biological brother played at Texas, um, awesome. got, got recruited by USC. He's six, five, two eighty, uh, huge. Like I'm a big guy. And then my, my brother next to me is bigger. And uh, he got recruited by USC, BYU, and Texas, and he ended up at Texas. So, what uh, what years did he play? Uh, he's twelve years older than me, so that would be eighty five. Okay, cool. So, that's awesome. I didn't know that. I did not know that. Learn something new every day. So. Oh, keeping the secrets away. He's a heck of a softball player too. I play with him. No, that's my little brother. Oh, that's your little brother? Yeah. Travis never played any sports. Oh, never? Uh-uh. Oh, man. He played he, he, me. Yeah, he played bowling in, in high school. Oh, man. Well, dude, little- uh, if you don't mind, I would like to contact your brother because that would be a pretty good little interview uh, talking about, you know, his playing days at Texas and all that. I'll mm-hmm. reach out to him. He's really sensitive okay. about that, Stingray, okay. to be honest with you. Um <laughs> So I talked to him about that. And so right. he actually quit the program, got his, got his education, quit the program for the other stuff that is whispered about in college sports, but rarely talked about, which is the PEDs. And in those bigger schools, especially in the eighties, Brian Bosworth, just to bring up a big name, PEDs are not only, they weren't only encouraged, they were required. Yeah. And, and so that's how a lot of those big programs that now have gone by the wayside, Oklahoma, Nebraska, I mean, Texas is in and out of the mix, but not as much is because uh, the amount of PEDs that are involved in, in keeping those guys huge, you know, right. uh, we talk about your weight loss. If you look at the before and after picture of Brian Bosworth, um, when he quote unquote retired, um, from professional football after six months of cashing checks. He already cashed a big check from the Seattle Seahawks. And uh, after the first year, he retired to just do movies. Uh, it's a tremendous, uh, not just weight loss, but it was a, a body loss. Like he, right. like size-wise, he, he shrunk by, you know, at least a half. And so, and, and that's something that's very rarely talked about now you know, we talk about the facilities race talking about, well, you need this, you know, we don't have a better facility is because, you know, P- the, the days of PEDs, the days of, you know, uh, you know, Jose Canseco and, 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 you know, the other PEDs are involved, you know, have gone by the wayside where people now, Hey, we have to have nutrition. We need to have diet exercise on like the top level, top tier. And that's where, you know, when Ray says, Hey, UNLV has got a better facilities because, Hey, you can either go for the juice and try to get big or exercise. Yep. Yep. We got a couple of players. I want to name their names, but 
getting tested randomly. You know, they, they got kicked out of the, on, off the team for that back in the day. So, yeah. I think that it should be legal. I think everyone should take it. Let's make them big, yeah. dude. Right? Yeah, I don't want all that. Oh, man, dude. Let, let's let them all take it. Well, yeah. real Pump quick, them up, I, do have, I do have one question for you guys. What did y'all all think about the uh, rankings that were just released uh, a few hours ago? I saw uh, that. I saw that stingray. Uh, I have. I haven't even seen it. We've been doing uh, podcasts. We've number been- one is Alabama. Then it went Notre Dame. Then Clemson, who has one loss, was ranked over Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, "You have." Got to be kidding me. But I will tell you, I was really surprised uh, that Texas A&M was on the outside. I mean, just right there at number five. And you had Florida, Cincinnati, and Shocker, Northwestern comes in at number eight. Now, that's impressive. That's impressive. Northwestern's tough, Stingray. Yes. Yeah, man. yeah, we don't have it updated. We're looking at it right now. Stingray has Northwestern as, as 11. Uh, what did they have BYU as on the new? 14 right now. And that that's oh, really low. Well, BYU. I'm talking about the uh, college football playoffs. Uh, the first rankings was just released at uh, 6 o'clock here. Well, number one, you know, so – that's the unfortunate part. So Ray was talking about, unfortunately, with professional sports, it's all about the money. It's all about cap space. It's all about, you know, you know, big contracts. Unfortunately, though, on the back end of college sports, there's that underlying beast, that underlying demon as well, which is money. And yeah. so, you know, yeah. Yeah. to not have Alabama in the top four is is, is sad. Uh, I do think like, you know, BYU's schedule works against them, you know, but on the flip side is they do have, you know, a professional, it it will be an NFL pro quarterback, Notre Dame at number two, that to me is questionable. Once again, you know, Clemson, you know, once again, looking at their schedule, questionable Ohio state, you know, I think should, it's kind of, they're, I think they're kind of in that eternal fourth, fourth seed. No matter what year it is, they're, they're probably going to be the fourth seed because unfortunately for them, they don't. So any good story, right? You go back to any good story, you have to have a hero and you have to have a villain. And unfortunately for Ohio State, like, you know, if Jim, Har- if Jim Harbaugh had made Michigan into that villain for Ohio State where maybe they split games every other year or, you know, they, they trade players or, uh, you know, unfortunately for Ohio state is they don't have their villain, right? You talked about the Alabama and Clemson right there. You have a perfect story, right? Everybody wants to read about that. You know, the Cam Newton story you just told about. And, and so you have these, these back and forth battles, you know, you talk about LS, Alabama and LSU for a long time were the two pairs dancing and, yeah. you know, and, and so, and right now, I mean, Notre Dame at number two, that's, that's just, you know, that's, uh, they I beat Auburn. So, you know, they're kind of, 
anyone. They're willing to dance with anyone, but, but so that's why you have players. Like, so looking at those top four, if that went to the playoff today, that's going to sell, that's going to get eyeballs on it. And at the end of the day, part of this part of college sports is especially now more so than ever, we're not talking about gate. You know, we're not talking about the gate, which are the tickets going through the, the ticket sales. No, no, we need to sell eyeballs right now. And, and this, if this happened tomorrow said, Hey, this is, this is going to be the playoffs. These four teams are going to get the most eyeballs by far. So I got a question for Stingray real quick. Stingray, what do you think about expanding the playoffs to more teams? I think they should, should do eight teams or even more. Cause I love, I love 12 at least. Well, yeah. How cool that'd be to see some, you know, like a, uh, I don't know, an Oklahoma state sneaking in there or a, uh, Arizona State or one of those teams sneaking in there and you know going against a Bama or I think that'd be great. I do too, and especially with the smaller teams like Cincinnati or BYU, give them a fair shot, just like everybody else has. Yeah, uh, yep. I well, agree. well, like this Coastal Carolina, are they always? Yeah, in there? that's kind uh, of a- no. They're they they were just there this year. They're yeah. really good. <clears throat> Wow. Well, and so that's a that's a big thing. That's why people love college basketball is because of March Madness. To be honest, right? You can you gets everyone in. Where where you got sixty four teams. You got a whole week of just basketball, basketball, basketball. And I my hope is that eventually, you know, it won't be just one week. But if we had a, a whole month of college football, could you imagine that? Could you imagine like mid de- mid December to, to mid January every week is just another round of playoffs in different regions? Could football do something like that? Like a March Madness? Is that possible? Or is that too much for the players? Like, do they need rest time? I think it might be yeah, a little too much. But I think 12 teams would be the would be perfect. And then the rest of the teams go to bowl games, like how it is now. Think twelve teams would be would be really cool to see that. I love to see it. I will tell you. I don't know if any of you guys follow the SEC or not, uh, but there is Stingray. Where where is that? The SEC. Where is that? Is that a is that a new a new government agency? What is no the SEC is the uh, you know the Southeastern Conference. I don't know if you guys follow it or not, but. one of the, the bad issues that we have down here is the SEC right now and other conferences are as well. Uh, when they get back to this money issue, uh, they definitely uh, protect the big dogs. And Alabama and the Georgias always get the calls, and it always seems like the referees help them get to the SEC championship game or the playoffs. And no, so that never happens. Definitely. <laughs> the stars yes. never get the calls. <laughs> and so, man, it's really, really hard to watch at times uh, because Alabama and those teams, they don't ever really get upset or beaten until they get into the 14 playoff. Uh, you know, you're never going to see an Ole Miss or an Arkansas upset Alabama in the regular season, or if you do, it's going to be very early on uh, because, you know, everybody wants the money of Alabama to go and 
uh, do the SEC championship game in the playoffs. And so it's really sickening to see that uh, at times. And it's really frustrating to have the officials, you know, sway the game and calls when there are a close game or two with Alabama. Yeah, no, we actually agree with you. So being a Rebel fan that we we've, we usually screw ourselves. Yeah, we usually we're on the losing <laughs> end. We're usually on the on the other sideline in those cases. Um, usually in college basketball, but there's been, and and, and so Ray already knows this. Stephen Ray, I do have Rebel Red glasses, right? When you say, "Hey, yeah. your your rose colored glasses," yeah, mine are Rebel Red colored glasses. Right. So of course the the refs a lot of times miss the miss the calls, um, and I think that's just. You know, and they've actually proven this out, actually, like the effects of ESPN, like this is like the negative effect of the mothership of ESPN and of the, you know, because they're trying to sell a headline. They're trying to sell a dialogue or a story. And so, you know, now that happens, you know, in baseball, they talked about how even the Yankees, like Yankees are having the worst season ever but they get more airtime is based on, well, they've built them up. They, they even tracked um, uh, sales for New York Yankee uh, swag and Boston Red Sox swag and how ESPN has literally like picked like those three or four teams in the major league baseball in major league baseball. And by them promoting it uh, unvirtuosely, they have like quadrupled, like 300% increased the sales of, of theirs. And, and especially out here West to understand that most people out West very rarely visit the East and very rarely very have small ties to the Yankees, to the Boston Red Sox. But yet all these, all this sales goes on nationally speaking, like even down in the South. And so it's the same thing with Alabama once again. They get the premium ESPN coverage. They get the premium ESPN, uh, you know, and it's not just the coverage of just the show. If you get on the sports center, you know, who are the highlights? You know, highlights, Alabama did this great job. They beat this little school by 55 points. Woo, good job. You know, they're the best. You know, Nick Saban, um, you know, and just the amount of, they, they talk about the different coaches is just, it's so lopsided. It, yeah. it, it really is like them. It's kind of like having your own promotional uh, channel running all the time. But see, I really think that that kind of hurts sports to have the same dominant, you know, the same people up there year in and year out. Because you saw what happened with the NBA every year when it was the Cavs Warriors, Cavs Warriors. Well, yeah, that's fine if you see it twice. But when you get into three and four times, it's kind of like, yeah, I've already seen this. I don't want to care to see it again. That's why I feel like LSU winning it last year was a breath of fresh air because we didn't have to hear about Dabo and Clemson and Saban and Alabama. It's just, you know, give me, give us somebody else, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And also it's the whole point of college sports that anybody can win on any given day. And it's not the same old, you're not, you know, Oh, it's the same man. It's the same, same coach, same. And you know, everybody kind of got tired of Pete Carroll at USC back in, back when he was dominating back then. Well, well, not y'all obviously, but 
But, you know, uh, <laughs> us down here, we're like, oh, my God, we're so tired of Pete Carroll because they were so dominant, you know, and, and you, you know, everything is fine. I'll give you another example. Um, you know, the New England Patriots, everybody was like, come on, can somebody else at least try to at least be competitive against them? No, so, we, have, uh, we have no respect for Patriots fans. Right. Everyone knows that they're a bunch of cheaters. Um, the Seahawks should have won. Uh, their receiver was held. That was not an interception. Everyone knows those things. That's just that's just basic law here, Stingray. So we have no love for the Patriots, no love for Belichick, but we have respect for Belichick because. Right. Uh, uh, but yeah, I, I 100% agree with you because and, and so unfortunately we have networks that are like, hey, let's let's roll out the same, you know, same characters in the story and keep right. selling the same story. So. And it's kind of getting boring after a while. It is like having Ray on the, be the bachelor. Like it was good for one season, but let's get another bachelor now. So same thing. <laughs> I love my position there. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. I agree with you guys on that one for sure. Just like Duke and college basketball. They're always in it. It's like, geez. Yeah. Or, or Kentucky. Yeah. Oh, man. Kentucky. But, dude, I feel like Kentucky basketball is the most overrated program ever. They always get there, but they can never actually win it. They're always – they always get to, like, the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight, and then they do this. Yep. Yep. Yeah. We, we love you guys, uh, Stingray and you guys, I want you guys' opinion on this. I think with college football – I think just just jumping in this is like kind of another subject I was just thinking of on top of my mind, but the instant replay I think takes too long in, in college football. It's like sometimes you're just waiting and waiting and waiting. I think they should give the referees like a one minute to get an answer instead of just dragging it out. Sometimes you're like 15 minutes and you're just like, geez. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. And I also feel like that if um, and we talked about this on our show today, uh, I feel like that if if there was an egregious call that the officials called or the officials missed, you know, if a player fumbles the ball and they lose, the the, uh, player has to be grilled by the media. The, if the coach makes a bad call and they lose, the coach has to as well. And the coaches and the players, uh, and especially the coaches, will get fined if they say anything against the officials. However, the officials get off scot-free, even though they're the ones who actually made the call uh, that ultimately would lose uh, a team a game. Uh, I, I think you also really need to hold the officials accountable if they make an egregious call, and especially if they do it multiple times during the season. So the only caveat I have to that, Stingray, have you ever officiated a game no. of any sport? Ray no. Ray, have you? Uh, yeah, kickball. <laughs> I tried to- <laughs> okay. So I would invite any of our listeners listening to that question to chime in on our episode is have you officiated a sport? And if so, what sport? Because the first time I officiated a sport was uh, girls basketball. It was a freshman girls basketball, which the gyms for freshman sports is like, 
you basically have a, a, a gym and it's got two rows of bleachers. And as an officiator, you are almost in the bleachers officiating the game. And I did a horrible job because it was my first time. And those parents held me accountable. They chased him to his car. They did. There was, there was a parent that was about to chase. Luckily, myself and my partner were, uh, were decent size, so we could hold our own. But it taught me a great lesson in that officiating, A, is not easy. It is human. Um, is there room for uh, officials to make mistakes? Absolutely. And it's part of the game. Um, and so it, it, in, a, in a difference, so players prepare all week for a game, and then they're supposed to execute a plan. Coaches, same thing. You have your job, you prepare for it, and you execute it. As officials, you semi can prepare, but you literally have no idea how the things are going to play out. And so it's, it's a, it's an estimated guess at best. Every call is an estimated guess at best. And so uh, I don't think it, it's fair to hold them accountable. And, wow. and I, I didn't think that because being such a large fan, I always felt like the calls didn't go our way. Like I got to know the names of the officials and I forget where I was. I was uh, out of town and they were officiating and I got to know some of the, some of the officials and I found out that they were just regular people like me and that they had, you know, most of them have either played the sport and, you know, had timed out and, and had moved on with life. And, and, and so I think if people understood that, like Stinger, you remember when I think in the NFL, their uh, the refs were on strike or the the real refs were uh, not their contract wasn't ratified so they brought in temporary refs and yeah. they actually saw the difference between you know it's always that conversation like if you are going to be a referee for the NBA or the NFL that's what the only thing you should be right but the only way to do that is to compensate them at this level that that that's all that they should be doing. And so you'd have to change the whole dynamics of refing. I have friends that still umpire and ref and they do it like they do it as much as the games go. And so they know the cadences, they know the rhythms, they know what the calls look like and you work your way up the, the scale. And so, but it's, I, I think it's completely different in the fact of a player and a coach. Here's the, here's the plan. Here's how we executed it for an umpire is we have, you know, you have a whole interpretation of what's going on. Well, here's my problem with it. I blame high definition television because as a fan, you're at home and you see the play and you see what happened clear yeah. as day. We have televisions that cover our wall. Back in the day, my old man's television was like little and it was a piece of furniture and it was heavy as a car. But now we have TVs hanging off our walls that are the size of a car. And, right. and we are seeing the play in real life. But then the umpire or the officiator screws it up and you're just losing your mind because 
How could he do that? But you're the Seahawk fan that saw your team lose the Super Bowl, and you saw it clear as day on that giant 71-inch television you just borrowed money from your mom to put on your wall for the Super Bowl, and you're seeing it, but the stupid officiator standing right there at the edge can't see it. That's the frustration is we have this technology and the, and the coffee see table, every single play, the hair on their chins. We can see it all, but we're still relying on human error. Yeah. But here's the thing too, though, and in, in the SEC this year, we've actually had two calls uh, this year that actually went to replay and was botched by the officials on the field plus the ones up in the booth looking at it on the HD and all that stuff. Now, answer me this. How do both get it wrong when they're looking at it? That's what, Was I'm it like, for hey, or against Alabama? Uh, this was actually in uh, the Arkansas. One of them was Arkansas and Auburn at the end of that game, and the other one was LSU-Arkansas this past weekend. So Arkansas is on the outs. This is what you're saying. But 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 it's hard because you're seeing the same thing they're seeing in the booth. So you're watching it at home and you're like, there's the play. Yeah. It's over. We won or they won or whatever the case was. But then they're seeing it totally different. I can see where the frustration comes from. Next mm -hmm. thing you know, you're driving to a different city and poisoning a bunch of trees. Yeah. <laughs> you're a crazy person, you know? We'll see Stingray. Stingray, don't do it, man. Oh, yeah, it's not going to be poisoning trees. It's going to be cutting down the trees. I know Stingray texted me. He's like, I would never poison. I would just cut the trees myself. Uh, oh, man. I Look, I, I love college sports and, uh, you know, I, but but I I have a little bit of sense about me. I, I, I would think really hard before I did anything like that. I mean, you've got to be pretty off your rockers to do something like oh, that. Yeah, no, oh, we agree. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and going back to one of the things I do like about professional sports is, you know, a Fox does this with their NFL broadcast is they have Joe Pierre on and he's like, hey, as a former, as a retired uh, referee, this is what or you know, this is what I saw and this is how I would have called right. it. And yeah. even even the umpires go against sometimes what what he what referees, what he says, hey, this is the actual technical rule. And then becomes even a little bit more educative. He's like, well, based on the letter of the law, this is what, you know, they'll, they'll probably call. And, and even then, there's some of those times where, where Joe will be like, this is a 50 50 toss up. He's like, I could see it go either way. Yeah. And you're right. like whoa you're like the professional says 50 50 on the on a good day you're like wow okay and so even having that integrated into the into you know into the broadcast somehow i think right. would be would be great i have an idea i say we zoom into a fan and let the fan make the final decision just pick a fan <laughs> boom just randomly pick a fan out there, zoom into their living room and say, okay, you make the call. Yep. And then, and, then, and then watch all the fans burn their house down. No, yeah. Man. Like the poor Cubs fan who caught that fly ball. Oh, and now now he's still missing because no one knows where he's at because Chicago fans wanted to murder him. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if there's a right answer for that or not, Ray. I mean, I didn't, I, I totally understand. We have technology to help us make these calls, but then, the human, 
the human nature behind the calls is also part of the game. Like I'm a huge baseball fan and the umpire behind the plate that's calling each pitch. That's part of the game of his human error. You got to play the game according to the umpire. So when I was coaching baseball and my boys are out there, we would get umpires that their strike zone was smaller or their strike zone was bigger. So then all of a sudden the way we play the game changes because we have that kind of a blue behind the plate. And so there's a, there's an element that comes with the game with the officiating, but it's hard to, because as a fan, like I said, you're watching it lifetime and you, you want yeah. to. There was a, just going to jump in here real quick. There was a game and I fall originally, obviously from Iowa. So I follow Iowa and Iowa state, but Iowa state was playing Washington state a couple years ago. And um, the Alamo bowl, I believe and Iowa state, they brought 90% of the fans. It was all Iowa state. And they were, they were beating Washington state rushing yards, passing yards, the referee, throws out two targeting penalties against Iowa state that offset the whole game and Iowa state lost. And I'm like, that's to me, that's kind of, it's kind of, it takes the fun out of the game. You know, it's like, yeah. And those targeting calls were wrong too. So, and my friend's a Washington state fan. He's like, yeah, see, we won. I'm like, okay. And I just, you know, walked away. But that to me, I think the referee should be like um, graded maybe like have, have a good grade. Like this guy's an A plus have an all conference referee team. Yeah. So, I don't know. All, all referee. They wow. do, I, they do that in basketball already. Did you, I don't oh, know if did. you know that, but they, they do that in the, in basketball. Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, well, I, you know, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but um, you know, there was that egregious, egregious pass interference call that cost the Saints the shot to go to the Super Bowl a couple years ago. No, well, it, we don't. This is probably before our time. Doesn't sound familiar, <laughs> but go ahead. Um. Yeah. Okay. Um. <laughs> you know. Um. Though it came out that a couple of those officials were from the LA area. I feel like that if you have any ties to that particular team, that you should not be allowed to go on or or officiate that game. I would agree like if with you're that. from that city, or or if you have ties to that school, like in college, I think that should automatically disqualify you, and you need to go do another game. No, I would totally agree with that. I would totally. You know, I yeah. read an article that officiating all over the country from college to professional levels uh, is at an all-time low. There is not enough officiators to do it. And they're encouraging kids to be educated. Like that, that would be a good job for these kids. Uh, When I sat on the little league board here in Henderson, one of the things we started doing is at our T-ball and our little rookie levels, which is what we call coach pitch is we would let the kids be the umpires. Now they didn't have to call pitches. They were just calling outs and pot flies and things like in the outfield, but it got them experience. They know they're, they're not going to play baseball, but they can learn to officiate it because across the nation officiating is at an all time low. And, uh, I, I, so do you know why though? Because no one wants to do it. Yeah, that's right. You're the, you're the bad cop. And and there's no, yeah, there's no reward except for monetary, for officiating and so just as much as we're sitting here talking about you know 
a little pass interference call that may or may not have happened. Nobody outside of the South really cared about that pass interference call. Um, everyone on the West Coast understood it was a it was a toss up call. Um, right. You know, is uh, is at the end of the day, like there's no reward. It the officiating is one of those jobs where you don't get talked about unless it was questionable or, or egregious. Right. You, you know, they don't. They they did. I think they even tried this. They on broadcast. They were like, "Hey, this is the amount of calls that were called, and this is the percentage that was done right, and and stuff like that." There supposedly there is a committee that goes back and watches all the calls, and in theory, like the best squad goes into the Super Bowl, and based on. But they should get paid more money than the other officiators. They well, the more their games, contracts should be huge. So if you're the best officiator and you make the best calls, you should mm-hmm. have like a million dollar contract. You should. You know the players. Yeah, should I agree. Money. I totally agree on that one. Yeah. But see, getting back to college football just for a second, all of the Power Five schools, or at least the ones down here, uh, they have their own official officiating crews, like the SEC crew, the ACC crew, the Big Twelve crew. Why does each conference have to have their own officials if they're not doing something uh, below board? Because they're Good not, it'd be, you have to feel like you're going to get a fair shake, you know? So the, you know, when they do an away game, so you, you give up home field advantage, but you have to bring in the other crew. That's why. So it's a counterbalance so that they, in theory, don't feel like they're getting a bad shake because if you had, home field advantage in death Valley and you had a, you know, sec crew and it was, you know, and you're coming there from another conference, then once, you know, then you're going to get the, you know, you're getting two sticks instead of one that are beating you across the back. So, so that's why I think it's just counter. I actually, I like that part because unfortunately though, uh, and I think what happens is, if they're coming from another conference, they try to prove to everyone how fair they are by not calling calls for their home uh, home conference, actually. So you end up getting a backhanded compliment all the time. We could have called that, but we didn't because we feel like you should prove yourself here. So, Well, if you want better calls, you pay them. You want better teachers, pay them. Yeah. It's all about the money. It is, yeah. You got That's the best it. players, you pay them the biggest money. You want the LeBron James of calls, you got to pay the LeBron James price. Hey, I got to ask Ray something, man. Where did you get that ABC flag? That is <laughs> insane. <laughs> uh, after one of the UNLV games, we played it, and I was like, I'm taking a sign down. I'm like, all right. I think it was against BYU my junior year. I think it was on ABC, and I just said, hey, can I take the sign? They're like, sure. I still get in the locker room after the game. Dang. How big is it, though? I mean, it looks pretty big. That's, uh, man, that looks about 10 by 6, probably. Jeez. That's awesome. It's a pretty big one, man. I was like, yeah, I love the ABC sport. I love the uh, ABC announcers, too. Yeah. But I think Brad Nessler is—he's SEC guy, but he's—he's he's my favorite college football announcer. Yeah, but he's think. on CBS right now. CBS <laughs> game of the week with with Gary Danielson. Yeah, that those are the best. 
Yeah. But Gary Danielson is horrible, man. What about Brad Nessler, though? I like him, yes. I like him. And I, I actually like Devern, the guy before him. And I like uh, – yeah, I like, that's another thing, too. The college football announcers, to me, are better than the NFL announcers. The yes. I tell you somebody who I really, really miss in college football, and that he is actually living in Vegas right now, Brent Musburger. We are live. Right? Yeah. Yeah, he's he's awesome. He's living here. We gotta get him on the show. We gotta get him on the show. Yeah. He's like, yeah, he's living in Vegas. Yeah. He does all the uh I think he does the Raiders, uh, a lot of Raiders stuff now. Yeah, and actually uh I think it was last Sunday night they showed him in the booth uh calling the game for the radio announcers, uh for the Raiders, I think. And he's doing a lot of stuff. We have to look into that. Editing yeah. online too, out there. Yeah, he's awesome. Mike Tarico is another good one. Yes. Think, yep, he's uh, yeah. I think the college announcers are just overall a lot better than the NFL ones. The NFL, I got to oh. turn off. I'm watching an NFL game. I got just got to put it on mute and just just watch it. Yeah. I totally agree. If I have to listen to Joe Buck uh, call a game, I'm cutting into a vein, man. Who? Yeah. Joe Buck. Oh gosh, dude! Yeah. I signed an online petition to get him off the air. Or w- what about uh, Troy Aikman? Oh, these guys, man. Yeah, yeah. There's some. <laughs> Who was the comedian they got for a little while? There was uh, Frank a- Frank Caliendo. No, no, no. They got a comedian to do Monday Night Football. Uh, oh man. Oh, Al Michaels. Was Who Al was Michaels. it? It was Al Michaels. Al Michaels, yeah. yeah. That wasn't good. I was like, yeah. yeah it, it didn't last very long. Yeah. Stingray, the picture you have with Joe uh, Joe Tessitore. Is that how you say his name? Tessitore? Yeah, Tessitore, that, yeah. That guy's voice is... Yes. Like, his he, his voice is sick. Like, you yeah. want to keep and watch I, his- I actually met him at SEC Media Days. Uh, which is uh, a a whole week in the summer where all of the coaches and the players of all 14 SEC schools get together either in Birmingham or in Atlanta, and they they have press conferences all day, and they just sit there and talk about their team and the upcoming season. Man, I'm telling you, we go all out for this football thing. Yeah, that sounds like a good time. Dude, man, y'all have got to come for an SEC Media Days. It is insane. We'll come out there, right? We're coming out, man. Get us. We want to come to an Alabama and a Mississippi State game. Uh, Alabama's a lot better. I'll just have to tell you because at Mississippi State, the cowbells, if you don't take your protection, you will still be hearing those dang cowbells ringing 10 days later. (laughs) It might be worth it, man, as far as, you know. Part of the yeah. part of the, uh, experience, but no, the tailgating. Uh, one of my friends' uh, daughters goes to Alabama, and we were, we were actually talking yesterday. We we're going to come down to a game once COVID gets over with, and yes. it's going to be amazing. Make sure, make sure you come when it's a full stadium, not like it is now, because it's kind of ho hum right now. Yeah. Oh yeah, 
Yeah. Everything's going to be better once we get over this COVID crap. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Really sad. Stingray, it's been awesome having you on the show. Thank you so much for coming on. You know, um, for anyone, go check out the Stingray show. We're going to put the links in the bio. So I'll get all the links from you, Stephen, and we'll we'll put it all in there so you can they can catch you on uh, your show and uh, listen to more college football. And Ray, dude, you're always on the show. We love it that you're on. You're like our guy, man. Thank yeah, you thanks. so much for coming back yeah. on. Ray, you're like our guy until you don't take us to the Death Star with you. So, Steven, I'm sure Ray's invited you to Vegas to go yes. to the Death Star, go to a UNLV game with him. Um, he usually only takes, you know, really pretty girls, but I'm for sure, I'm, for you, I'm sure he'll make a, uh, an exception. So, <laughs> Well, guys, look, I want to thank you. It's been a blast. Hopefully we can do it again. And uh, sure. I hope all of you guys have a wonderful and blessed Thanksgiving. You, you too. too. Thank you very much. Thanks, Ray. Uh, Thanks, Stingray. Yes, sir. Thank you. And uh, go Rebels. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Have a good Thanksgiving, guys. Thanks. All right. We'll see you.